progress. Okay, we're up to Dafsam Achayim at Aleph, the top of the Ahmed. Yeah, probably. Just started. Yeah, yeah, we just started. So, just started. Tanya, the Braisa teaches. Hamudr So, there's a halacha that if someone asks, Ruben asks Shimon, says, Ruben says to Shimon, you, you're cut off. The halacha is. If he wants to do Ataris Nadarim, he has to do Ataris Nadarim in front of Shimon. So if Reuben cuts off Shimon, Reuben says, I'm not going to benefit from Shimon. And he's the one who made the nether, so he, it's obviously in his prerogative to do Ataris Nadarim. He has to do Ataris Nadarim in the presence of Shimon. That's the halach. It's the presence of Shimon. Anyway. <laughs> I, 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 I don't care. I just want to start. The halacha is that if Reuben cuts off Shimon, Reuben has to do Atar Sadarim in front of Shimon. Now why? So it's a Shaila in the Rishayim. The Yerushalmi gives two reasons. The, I'll go with the most simple reason. If you don't do Atar in front of Atar Sadarim, Reuben says to Shimon, I won't benefit from you at all. Reuben wants to do Atar Sadarim. Technically, he doesn't have to do it in front of Shimon. He could do it in his house, right? In front of a Bezdin. But he has to do it in front of Shimon. Why? Because let's say he does it in his house. The next day, he starts walking into Shimon's house and starts eating his food. Shimon doesn't know that he does a Tarsus Darim. Shimon's just going to think, oh, this guy doesn't keep Allah. So in order to avoid bad optics, if you made a nether about someone, in you... Ha- in front of him you, also. If you made it in front of him. I guess that he... Or he became aware of it. Then you have to do a Tarsus Darim in his presence. Okay. Now, what's the source you have to do a Tarsus Darim in his presence? Amr of Nachman, Dixiv. The source is from yesterday. Huh? He has to be present for Atar Zadar. Again, again, the person who... The person who you made the nether about. So you have to find him. He's got to come down. Okay. To whatever, the, whatever, yeah. Why would he do that? I don't know. It's a I don't know. We do things for halacha. What's the source? By the way, it means you go to him. It doesn't mean that he has this to you. You go to him. You do Atar Zadar by him. What's this pasuk? We said yesterday that Moshe Rabbeinu had made a neder to Yisro that he's not going to leave Yisro's presence because Mitzrayim is dangerous. Now, I also said yesterday that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was mate the neder. But it says, when was Hashem mate the neder? In Midian. Why did it have to be in Midian? Maybe that was where he was at the time, but the fact that the Torah specifically says the Lashon of Midian means that Hashem told Moshe, you have to do a in front of Yisro. You made, the nether, you made the nether about Yisro, that you're not going to leave him, so you can't just do a Tarah Sadarim not in front of him. Anytime the other person is part of the subject of the nether, he has to be present. So, so the, the, the nether was, I'm not going to leave you Yisro? Correct. It's not going to be, I'm not going back to No, me. I'm not going to leave you. So because Yisro was part of the nether, you made the nether in Midian, you got to go to Midian to do a Tarah Now, how do I know that Moshe made an Eder Bechlal? What's the source in the Torah that Moshe made an Eder at all? It's a Medrash of what the Neder was and the Lashon of the Neder, all that stuff. But how do I know Bechlal that he made a Neder? Because the Pasuk says, Vayoyal Moshe. The Pasuk says, Vayoyal Moshe Lasheves is ish. That Moshe, I think Vayoyal technically means he continued. I'll, I'll, I'll look up the exact art scroll translation of the Pasuk. Vayoyal Moshe means that he continued to dwell. Yeah, continued to dwell. Desired. Uncle says desired. But it's a Lashen, it's a strange Lashen. You know if Vayoyal is the Shorosh of Vayoyal? Allah. Allah is an oath. 
our version of Allah is an oath. So therefore, Vayoyel means that Moshe made an oath when he stayed with Yisro. So the fact, again, technically it means desired, but the, the tr- strange Lashen is to indicate, Ein Allah Allah. How do I know that Allah is a shvua? Because the Pasuk says in Yechezkel that in Allah, that Vayava Allah, he came in with an oath. Okay, fine. Now, we mentioned this concept that when you do Atar Sadarm, you have to do it in the presence of the person that's the subject of the nether. The Gemara now is going to bring a story from here into the Mishnah how there was a time where they did not keep that halacha involving Nebuchadnezzar. The Pasuk says, the Pasuk says that Tzidkiah, that Tzidkiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. So that, that's the Pasuk says. Now, what does it mean that Tzidkiah, by the way, this is, Nebuchadnezzar was already a terrible rush at this point. He had already, um, um, he had already sent out Yechaniah into Gaulus. But the Pasuk says that Tzidkiah uh, rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. What, what's the nature of the rebellion? So my do say, what did Tzikiyah do against Nebuchadnezzar that upset him? So The story goes that Tzikiyah once walked into the room and he found Nebuchadnezzar eating a live uh, rabbit, uh, you know, hare, a rabbit. He was eating it while he was still alive, which was considered barbaric even for back then. And it was considered just very lowbrow, like a king to eat like a living animal, it was, it was considered very disgusting. The Ben Yadis says the reason why he did this is because this is like, you know, this is the, in, in, in the Lahavdil, the movie, he's becoming the bad guy. Like, he wanted to, like, get himself used to barbarism. So he started, whatever, so the kids are, it, it, this was something he wanted to keep private, but Sikio found out. So Amar Lei, he made Sikio swear that he's not going to tell anybody, because he didn't want this to get out. He still had, like, you know, that, that you know, uh, that dictator. Uh, outwardly, he was trying to have a good face. Yishtava, Tzikiyah swears. The problem is keeping the secret inside was making Tzikiyah ill. Especially because, like, people were showing cover to Nebuchadnezzar, but he knew who Nebuchadnezzar really was. And it's just, it was Pasha getting him sick, not being able to reveal this. So, Itchel Ushvase, so he did Atar Sindar. Okay. Okay, in front of him. Oh, so he says, Now, eventually the story goes, people were started ridiculing Nebuchadnezzar about this rabbit thing. Oh, so he did come out. So it, the story got out, not the Hataris and the Darim, oh. but that, that, that Nitzikia told people. Oh. It got out that Nitzikia... No, no, after Hataris and Darim, oh, okay. but not in his presence. Again, oh, Hataris and oh, Darim okay. was not done in front of Nebuchadnezzar. See, so he does Hataris and Darim. He starts telling people, and the word gets back to Nebuchadnezzar that people know. So, so he quote, he brings Tzikiyah, he brings Tzikiyah in the Sanhedrin. He says to the Sanhedrin, you see what Tzikiyah did? He swore to me and he told, he broke his oath. So, because he wanted to punish Tzikiyah, the rabbis, he respected. At this point, he still respected the Sanhedrin. So he wanted to, you know, bring the Jewish king with his rabbi, say, look, look at your king. So Amrle Itchel Shwase, so the Sanhedrin said, Well, we did Atar Sadaram. Amrle Itchel Shwase said, He asked the Sanhedrin, You could do that. Amrle in? He said, Yeah. So Amrle Bifanov or Shalai Bifanov? Yeah, but don't. Like, well, d- d- how, how would Nebuchadnezzar know that? Well, that? maybe, so maybe he was asking, or maybe he knew, or maybe maybe he had a bad, like maybe he had like an advisor who was one of those Jews that went off the dark. He said, Yeah, but in front of him or not in front of him? Meaning, don't, I'm a subject of the nether. Don't I have to be present? So I'm really fun of, yeah, in front of him. Meaning? 
it was done in front of him. No, meaning we, oh, you, it should, you, have, been should have been done in front of him. Now, by the way, it's a Shailun and Rishayim why they didn't. It could be in Vukhanesah was such a Russia that, they, you know, they, 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 uh, that he's not subject to these halachas. It's unclear why Nebuchadnezzar was talking, why it was not done in, in his presence, but maybe this was so painful and maybe this is too important. I, I'm not sure. But, So he said to the Sanhedrin, so how come you didn't call me? So the Pasuk says that he sat the Zikinim on the floor, meaning up to that point, whenever the Sanhedrin would come to Nebuchadnezzar, they would always sit on chairs. From then on, they're sitting on the floor, meaning that was basically a shift where the respect for the Rabbanim in his eyes changed. I'm not saying that that's the cause of the Churban, because it, it probably would have happened anyway, he was a rush anyway, but this is where there was like a shift in Nebuchadnezzar's demeanor towards the Rabbanim after this story. Okay. Uh, new, new Mishnah. Now, we said yesterday that it's a machlaikis tanoyim, whether noilid is a legitimate form of a Pesach, something that's unforeseen and unexpected. It's machlaikis. So says the Mishnah, Rav Meir Oimer. Rav Meir feels like this. He's the middle shita. Right? You have some Rabbanim who say everything's on the table, everything could be used as a Pesach for Atar Zadarim. Then you had yesterday the Rabbanim who said, no good. You have Rameir. Rameir says, I generally don't believe that a Noilid, something that developed later, can be used as Atar Zadarim, except for these three. I think these three are legitimate. The following three. These are what he calls Noilid ve'enu Noilid. Normally he's not into Noilid, but these he's into. And the Gemara will explain why these are different. There are some nidarim that are like noilid and not noilid. They're like, I'll accept. And you could use them as ataris nidarim. But the Chum didn't agree with Rameir. The Chum just said, no, all noilid is out. But the Rameir says, I accept some noilid. What are the noilids that Rameir accepted? Again, we had yesterday some noilids are, um, you, you, you build that, you, you swear you won't go into a house and then all of a sudden it's turned into a shul. That Rameir says, no good. Uh, that, that's noilid. That, that happened later. But these noilid he does believe is legitimate reasons to abolish another. What are they? You swear you're not going to marry a certain girl because you say her father is a bad person. Now, Amrulai, afterwards, they said Mace, uh, the father died. Now, that's an unexpected uh, change. You can see that coming. You swear you're not going to marry Sarah because Sarah's father is a bad person. But what changed? The father died, meaning he didn't want yeah, to deal. A bad no, so obviously it means that you didn't want to interact with him as a bad oh. person. It's not that you're against, but he died. So Rameir said, "That's fine." Oh, he shows a tshuva, or he did tshuva. Now, the, the, the obvious question is, why is this different than any other noilid? This is just noilid, right? Noilid means something changed after the development that you didn't necessarily see coming. For some reason, he's cool with this. We'll see why in the Gemara. Uh, or you swear you're not going to enter a house because it has wild dogs in it. Okay. Or has snakes. They say the dog died. Okay, mutter. You can do at Sadar. So the question is, but again, the Chum don't agree. But so Rameir is cool with these types of Nailid. Again, you swore you're not going to enter a house because there's a wild dog in it. They tell you the dog died, and you're like, eh, it's fine. Why? why? So the Gemara says, The Gemara says, Isn't that Nailid? Like, why is this different? How is this different than any other Nailid? Normally, Nailid Rameir is not into, but this Nailid he's cool with. Like, what's the difference? So the Gemara says two explanations. Rav Huna says a very simple answer, and that is that the reason why Noilid is not good is because it's unexpected. Over here, 
he sort of stipulated the reasons for the nether. Meaning, it's not like he just said, I'm not entering the house. And then they find out, they're like, hey, the, the circumstances changed, the animal died, you want to go in now? Yeah, I'd like to. That, that's considered a nether. Over here he said, I'm not entering the house because there's an animal there. So he sort of stipulated the reason preventing him from entering. So because he verbalized it, it's not considered as Neulid. Neulid is like, well, I didn't see that coming, a complete change. This is the guy verbalized what's bothering him. He sort of laid the framework for a Tarasandarim in the nether itself. That's why our mayor is cool with it. So our mayor is cool with these Neulid, not because there's any difference, it's just because you stipulated the concern in the nether itself. If something out of the ordinary happens, that would be a way of Pesach to get out of the nether. Correct? Only in this circumstance. Only in the circumstance where... You verbalize what the problem was. The Chacham say any Neulid. The Chacham are against all Neulid. But the Rameir is cool with these Neulid because you verbalize what the problem is. So when the circumstance changed, you, you sort of like verbalized, I'm not going to go in the house because there's an animal there. But if the animal died, like, it's sort of like you started the Pesach already. That's the first explanation. Rav Yechonon says a different explanation, and then he says, I don't believe in that. So why is this Neulet better? When did the animal die? Rav Yechonon says, Kvar meis, kvar asachuva karmelein. The, the, the animal died at the time of the nether. Meaning, go to the next page. It's not actually a Neulet. The case is, you said, I'm not entering the house because there's an animal there. There wasn't an animal at the time. Meaning, at the time of the nether, the animal was already dead. So it's not a noilid. The reason why these nadarim are fine is because they, they, they were completely on, based on false information. Meaning, if it was taka alive at the time, then died later, if Yochanan says that actually would not be good. Why is it cool? Because the animal was dead at the time. When you made the nether, you made it under false pretenses. Now, there's one issue with this, by the way, and that is, um, if that's the case, then you don't even need Hatar Sadarm. Right? Wow. That, that's, that's my kasha. You don't even need Hatar Sadarm in that case. Right? If you make a nether that's just completely false, like, I'm not going to go outside because it's 8,000 degrees outside, it's not, then you don't need Hatar Sadarm. It's, it's a nether that's bottle. So, 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 and there is no dog in the house, then you don't need Atar Sadarim. So, meaning, with Rav Yechon sort of changing it. Like, up to this point, it was that Rav Meir feels you could do Hatar Sadarim. Now, Rav Yechon saying you don't need Hatar Sadarim. That's what you have to say. You have to shift it. You have to, like, retranslate the sugya. Okay. But basically, what, let's just review very quickly. In our Mishnah, Rav Meir is cool with these Nadarim that you could either do Hatar Sadarim or you don't need Hatar Sadarim, whatever it is. Why are they unique? First explanation is because it is an unforeseen circumstance, but he verbalized in the nether itself what was bothering him. Second explanation is it's not a noilet at all. It's, the, it, it's just false pretense. It's a toast. It's a mistake. It's not that the animal died later. The animal was already dead. Now, let me tell you outside what the problem is. This is this Mishnah on Daf Samache. Okay? Daf Samachvav has a Mishnah that describes a neder under false pretenses. So according to Rav Yochanan, it's sort of repeating itself. Meaning, according to the first explanation, was it Rav Huna? Rav Huna? The flow of the Mishnahis is very nice. This Mishnah is a noilid, but it's a noilid that you anticipated. So you could do Atar Zadar. The next Mishnah is talking about something entirely different, and that's a nether under false pretenses. According to Rav Yochanan, this Mishnah is also talking about a nether under false pretenses. But he says you need a nether on this one. 
No, no, you'd have to change Rav Yochanan's interpretation. However, well, however Rav Yochanan figures out whether you need, whether you don't need, but this mission is talking about false pretenses. So, yeah. so is the next mission. So it's like, why do you need both? Look at the next mission. It says, Marzah look at the next mission. Mamish tomorrow's daf. Not the next one, the, the, in, in, in two Mishnahis, but it's on tomorrow's daf. I say, I swear I'm not going to marry a girl because she's ugly. He says tomorrow's daf is similar to today's. It's on the next Mishnah, but you, look, the Gemara quotes tomorrow's up. You don't have to turn. If someone says, I swear I'm not going to marry a girl because I heard she's ugly, but she's actually beautiful. That's how she became beautiful. She is. It was completely false. Or, I hear she's dark complexion. So I say, I'm not going to marry because I don't want to marry a dark complexion girl. I don't marry Sfarzi. She's not Sfarzi. I live on She's Ashkenazi. Or, Kitsara, I hear she's short. I'm not going to marry her because she's short. But she's tall. The answer is all of these mutter, they're all mutter. But you don't need that to ourselves. It's not because, it's not because she changed, or she was dark and now she's light. She was short and now she's tall. These are all examples of a nether under false pretenses. Which is exactly, according to Rafuna, the, the evolution of the dafim are very nice. You have today's daf, which is a noilid, but it's a noilid, so it is something did change, but it's a noilid that you anticipated is a possibility. So you said, I'm not going to enter this house because there is an animal there, and then the animal eventually dies, but you mention the animal. Then the next daf, tomorrow's daf, you talk about a nether that's just under false pretenses. So they're different. According to Rav Yochanan, this Mishnah and that Mishnah are teaching the exact same halacha, and that is, a nether under false pretenses is not a nether. Kasha. Good cash. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll finish up the daf. It's very, very easy. The Mishnah says like this. Oid Amar Meir. Rav Meir says, I have another Pesach. This is a good Pesach. And that is, Someone said, let's go with a, a, a classic case. I say, I don't like you. you you're cut off. You can't benefit. I'm not giving you. You can't benefit from me. So you want to do Atar Zadarim. Says Rav Meir, you know what Atar Zadarim is? Every time a Jew makes a nether against another Jew, is it mutter to do that? No, of course not. It's v'hafter echa kamocha, lo sisa zechicha bevavecha, lo sikam, lo sitar, right? Could be revenge, depending on the circumstance. Every time you do that, you're over averis. So you ask the guy, om ilu has yedei shata over alo sikam lo sitar, v'alo sisa zechicha bevavecha, v'hafter echa kamocha? If you would know when you did this neder, because you were angry, you just said it, would you, did you realize you were over four prohibitions? Would you have done it? And if he says no, then okay, so Tarz It's interesting because we had yesterday, this is also kind of debatable, because we had yesterday that we don't like to do a Tarz on something that a person won't answer honestly. I don't know what type of Jew would say, yeah, I'd be over for a Tarz I don't care. But okay, but I guess the mayor is not concerned about that. Also, in addition to those four Averis, you could also be over imach. According to some Rishonim, this is only by a relative, but a Pashas it could apply, even a non-relative. And that is, if let's say, I, not you, I, I cut off Shimon. I say, Shimon, Shimon's dead to me. So in addition to Bahafter Echa and Losis Nesichicha these all these surim that I was over by angering another Jew and cutting off another Jew, I might have also been over Bechayach That's the obligation of Tzedakah, because what happens if he's poor? Not now, but what if happens if he gets poor and he knocks on my door? I can't give him tzedakah now. So not only was I over these averis, I might prevent myself from giving him tzedakah in the future. So the Rishonim point that out that this is true by a relative, but the truth is, I don't know why, even a non-relative. 
a relative is more is is more um, clear because he comes to you first. But but the concept is you cut him off. If he becomes an ani, you can't give him tzedakah. So you're doing all these things that are against the Torah. If the guy says, yeah, had I known this, I wouldn't have done it. Now the Gemara Sakasha, just as an aside, if I cut off Shimon, Shimon can't benefit from me, and then Shimon becomes poor, I can't give him tzedakah. That makes sense. And then I'm preventing myself from doing the Mitzvah Tzedakah. Why can't I give him tzedakah? The, the way it used to work back then is they didn't come to your house personally. There was a communal fund. You can give money to the communal fund, and the communal fund will give him money. It's like, why is it that, like, the, the, there's a whole assumption in the mission that I can't give him tzedakah. Why not? Says the Gemara. I guess, no, because I think noilid means unforeseen and, like, out of the ordinary. People becoming poor is not as out of the order. So Amrle Ravuna Barav Katinla Rabbana Nema Koldemani Lava Lai Nofil. My Demati Lila Farnasi Bahade. Kuliyama Farnasile. I'll read it, I'll translate. Nema, why can't I say Koldemani Lava Lai Nofil? If he becomes poor, it's not on my shoulders. My Demati Lila Farnasu Bahadi Kuliyama Farnasi. I'll give to the chest like everyone else. Meaning, why can't I give him stock? I'll give it to the communal fund. It sounds like in the mission, it's like, oh, there's gonna be opportunity, you can't give him Sadaka. Why not? When people are poor, they go to the communal fund. I'll give them another communal fund. The answer is, says the Gemara, the answer is, the way it works when someone's poor, they don't immediately, and this is true in life, you don't immediately go to the communal fund. When someone is poor, the first thing they do is they go to their family and friends. And then if that doesn't work, then they're forced to wait on the soup kitchen lines. So that when the Mishnah says you're not going to be able to give them tzedakah, you're right, at some point, when it's really, really bad, after months of trying, he'll go to the communal fund and he'll get the two da and oh, fine. But there's going to be months before that where you can't help him, where so he is going the, to. Which one? The, the, the last piece. Amar le'ani I would say, kol any person that falls, meaning into poverty, you don't first go to the communal fund. Meaning you go to family and friends first. And, and if they can't help you, then you go. So the answer is, you're not able to help them during that time period. All right, last Mishnah. Uh, this is interesting. A person could also, we also use Atar Sadaram, uh, the Ksuba. I mean, let's say a man swears he's not going to be with his wife. So that's grounds for divorce, right? What happens when you divorce a woman? You got to pay the Ksuba. We could tell the guy, hey, do you realize that you have to pay the Ksuba? And if he's like, what do, you, what do you mean? How much is it? And we tell him the amount. He's like, no, I wouldn't have done that. So that's, that's a legitimate Pesach as well. Um, and Ma'isabecha, the story goes, there was a guy who ostered his wife, which was leading to divorce because of his neder. And his ksuva was 400 dinar. Okay, 400 dinar. So he goes to Rav Akiva because of the neder. So Kiva says, hey, you're going to get divorced. You know you're going to have to give the ksuba, which is 400 dinar. So Amr Rebbe, so the guy says to Rav Akiva, 400 dinar is the amount I have to pay my wife. The truth is, I just got an inheritance of 800 dinar. But, my brother took 400, I only have 400, it's literally all my money. <laughs> so like, she's going to take all my money. Why can't I just give her 200? I'll split it. I'll give her 50% of my money. Even if you have to sell your hair, you have to give her the ksuba. Meaning, the ksuba is not a percentage of your income. It's an amount. 
If you have to sell your hair, you gotta to to pay the give her your hair as payment. Like you gotta pay the money. So he says, Well, if I knew that I wouldn't have made a nether, I would have stayed in this unhappy marriage. They stayed together. By the way, just that's that's different times. Different times is that everyone was miserable. Um, okay, so so the, the Gemara says like this. This is just a quick Gemara. It's a little bit just a quick like halacha shaylas, and that is, he said that he was left for eight hundred dinarim fell to him. Four hundred was taken from the brother, and now the wife is going to take four hundred. Dinars are what? Money, cash. Cash is movable. If you remember in Ksubas, it's a machleikas tanoyim whether Ksuba is whether she has a claim to movables or only to property. According to the opinion that she only has a financial claim to property, then why does he have to give her 400 movables? Right? Mm-hmm. Meaning, according to the opinion that she only has a financial lien or a claim to actual property itself, if he doesn't have property, then she's got to wait. So this whole Mishnah is like, I only have $400. I'm going to have to give her everything? Yeah, you're going to have to give even the hair on your head. Why? If that's all he has, then he actually doesn't have to pay her at all right now. Wait, he might have to wait, whatever. Take him to court, but... So this has the Gemara, Why? Why does she, Why does he have to pay if all he has is movables? I thought Ksuba is from land. So Amr Abaye, The Mishnah says that he got $400, $800 from inheritance. It means land worth $800. Okay. But wait a minute. Akiva said, even if you have to give her the hair off your head, hair is not land. Right? If I only have to pay my wife Aksuba from land, why is Rav Akiva saying I have to give her the hair off my head? I don't. It's like, because you read the mission, you think he's just being like, Rav Akiva's being like exaggerating. The hair off your head. It's not true. It's partially not true. So the answer is, Rav Akiva meant is, you don't actually have to give this hair off your head for the Aksuba, but what Rav Akiva meant, even if you're so poor that you're selling your hair, you still have to give her land. Meaning Rav Akiva was not saying you have to give her the hair as payment for the ksuba. Rav Akiva was saying even if you're selling your hair, meaning that's how bad it is, you still have to give her land. Now, this is an interesting, Shiloh. I, I think that I think you'll find this uh, interesting. Uh, this is a sugya in Baba Basra, Eruchin, Bamatziah. That's what it is. Here's the Shiloh. You have nowadays, I'm not sure how they do it nowadays. Let's say I owe you money. I don't. I mean, whatever. I don't. I don't know what the courts would do. Let's say I owe you five hundred dollars. It's literally every penny I have. So I've seen it in uh, you know that thing on YouTube with that Rhode Island that uh, that that is that judge in Rhode Island. He's like a nice guy. So when it comes to like the city stuff, like if let's say the guy will say like I have a parking ticket for three hundred dollars. It's much all the money I have. So he'll say okay, give a hundred. I don't know if they would do that for people. Maybe they would. So, so it's a shaila in the tanoim whether Bezdin will do that. So says the Gemara, Sham mina ein misajin the balchayv. It's a shaila of what it's called sajin the balchayv or ein misajin the balchayv. Meaning, if you go to court and you say you have the money, you have five hundred dollars and you have five hundred dollar debt, that's all you have. Will Bezdin say, pay the money? You got the money, pay the money. I don't care. It's not my problem. Why should he lose out because you're poor? Or no, misajin the balchayv means installment plans or give him some time. We're not going to take all his money and leave him. In this Mishnah, what did the Mishnah say? He had $400. That's all he had. His wife is owed $400, and Rav Kiva's like, well, then pay, pay her. 
That means that like Rav is cool with making a person pay a debt, even if it's all his money. So you see from here, it's a machlekes tanoim. So you see, sham mino, you see from here, ein misajan l'balchayv. We don't like make installment plans. We don't work with him. You pay what you have. And if that's all you have, then that's all you have. So it says the Gemara, no. Amar of Nachmar Yitzchak, loimer she'en mekarin shtark suva. The answer is one with this. It could be we actually do installment plans and we do postpone it. So what does Rav Akiva mean? Rav Akiva just meant you're going to have to pay at some point. Meaning right now all you have is 400. Maybe Rav Akiva would actually say you don't have to pay 400 right now. Give it six months. But you're not ripping up that ksuba. You are paying the ksuba at some point. So when Rav Akiva said you're paying, he didn't necessarily mean right now because it could be that Rav Akiva would have an installment plan and postpone it and work with him. All Rav Akiva was saying is the fact that you're poor, you're not ripping up the ksuba document. You're paying at some point. Maybe not now, but you're paying at some point. So when Rav Akiva said you're paying, it's unclear whether he meant you're paying now. It could be he means you're paying in the future, in which case um, he does work with an installment plan. It's unclear. Stop here. Thank you. My pleasure.